Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola Shokumbi. I'm the founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance. The Clever Girls Know podcast is a podcast for women, offering a space for conversations around personal finance, business, life, and living. I'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast, and you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes. And if you love what you listen to, head on over to iTunes and leave a review so that other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. I'd also love for you to stop by clevergirlfinance.com. We have new content on the blog multiple times a week. We have over 30 plus free courses. Plus, when you sign up for a course, you can talk to a Clever Girl Finance mentor for free to get encouragement, motivation, or if you just want to have an open, no shame, no judgment girl talk. Finally, check out our YouTube channel. Just search Clever Girl Finance on YouTube. And if you don't already follow us on Instagram, you can find us at Clever Girl Finance. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. Hey, Lucille. Hi. Well, welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. I am excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited too. Yes, and we're going to be talking about how to generate recurring income with your side hustle. So you are an incredible business startup coach. You run a full-time business helping other people build their own side hustles and businesses. And I would love for you to start out by telling us who you are and more about what you do. Yeah, sure. Thank you for that. So I'm Lucille Roach. I'm a business startup coach. So I focus specifically on helping new and aspiring female business owners who want to work full-time in their business. So they've started a business and they're trying to build it up to work full-time. And specifically, what I'm helping them to do is to identify and attract the right clients for their business because without the clients, they don't really have a business. And then creating the products and services that they need to be able to attract those clients and then helping them to market those products and services. Because the aim is, is that they want to be able to work full time in their business and just give up their nine to five. And this is certainly the era of, I guess, the gig economy. A lot of people are pursuing mm-hmm. side hustles. A lot of people are choosing yeah. to or attempting to convert their side hustles to full-time jobs, you know, because yeah. of a variety of reasons. There is no cap to the income you can earn if you can successfully mm-hmm. get above of its feet. You're really your own boss. You set your own schedule. Yes. You're doing what you love, depending on the business you have or something that you're interested or passionate about. So there are many pros to, at the very least, starting a side hustle, generating yeah. that extra income into your household, right? Mm-hmm. To accelerate achieving your goals. But in terms of you as now a business owner, full-time business owner, you had started your business as a side hustle. What was your own inspiration back then to get into business at that early stage? Yeah. So I started my business about four years ago. And the reason that I started my business, I just got into it by accident because like a lot of people, I wasn't taught to have a business. I was taught to go to school, go to college or university, get my qualifications, work, and then retire. And I remember at the time I was working as a manager and I was also a lawyer as well. So I was working as a lawyer and a manager. And I was just thinking to myself, like, is this all there is to life? Like, I just feel so unfulfilled. All I'm doing is coming to work, going home and repeating the cycle. So I started to look for things that would inspire me, things that I could do that would excite me. And I found mentoring. So I started mentoring with the Prince's Trust. And I was like, this is great. I love this. And then I signed up for an introductory two-day program with the Coaching Academy, where they were just teaching you about coaching and giving you a taster of what it would be like to be a coach. 
And suddenly I was like, this is it. This is what I want to do. I want to be a coach because the part of my job that I loved the most as a manager is the fact that I got to coach people. I got to help them with their goals. So I set up my business thinking that I, well, I got the qualification thinking that I would use it to help me to be a better manager. But the more I started coaching people, the more I realized how much I loved it. And then it dawned on me that that could be my business. I could do what I loved. So I started at my business, initially intended to provide career coaching because I came from a corporate background. But more and more women were coming to me because they wanted to start a business. And as I was building my business, I was making mistakes. So I was like, I could help other women who are starting their business to avoid the mistakes that I made. And so that's kind of how the business started. And to give folks who are listening some context, you're located in the UK because you mentioned the Princess Trust and other resources. But the great thing about business is that the tools, the skills you need to build are universal, right? (laughs) So you have clients pretty much everywhere. (laughs) Oh, 100%. And it's so funny because I've got a podcast and I was checking the stats of my podcast and a large proportion of my audience is American, specifically (laughs) Florida. So yeah, so hey, Florida. So, you know, one of the big things that people, I hear people talk about, even ask me about when it comes to starting a side hustle, building a business is being able to generate income streams, recurring income streams. Mm -hmm. So can you share based on your experience and based on just the clientele base that you have, what are some examples of successful recurring income streams that you see knowing that obviously people are in different types of businesses, right? People might be in service businesses, product businesses, but just for folks to start thinking about and start getting ideas. What are some of the successful recurring income streams that you are seeing? Yeah. So I'll give you an example for a physical product and a digital product, because you say people have different types of businesses. So the most successful type of model that I see is the membership model. Now with the membership model, that's when you either have a monthly membership fee, a quarterly membership fee, or an annual membership fee. So you're getting consistent income every single month or every single quarter, however it is that you've set it up. So that's one way of doing it. It's a membership. And that's great for people who have lots of content that they want to deliver and they want to deliver it over a period of time to people to get them a specific result. If you have a physical product, then similar to a membership, another successful recurring income stream is to have a subscription. So I've seen this with hair products. So there's lots of companies who sell hair products. And what they do is that they sell a subscription box. So you pay a fee every single month. And then so whatever that fee is, like it could be £30, you pay £30, you choose which hair products you want to have in this box. In every month, you get this subscription box sent to your home. And so that's recurring income for the business owner because they know that every month they're going to be getting this income coming in from these subscription boxes. So a membership and a subscription box, they're both business models, which are really great for helping you to develop that recurring revenue. There are other things as well, like digital products, evergreen funnels, which is when you, for example, have something like a webinar. So you deliver a webinar. And then you deliver that webinar maybe live. And at the end of that webinar, you make an offer for a product, which is typically a digital product. And then you just have that webinar so that it's open. So every time somebody comes into your world, every time somebody connects with you on social media or that they join your email list, you send them this webinar. And at the end of this webinar, there's an offer for a digital product. And that then helps people to be able to continually buy from you because they're continually being introduced to you through the webinar. So I said I would give two, but I gave three. (laughs) That's great. And for those of you listening for context, Lucille was just speaking to recurring income streams, right? So you may have 
I don't know, a product business and maybe you sell a physical product and you have a storefront and mm. people come and buy from you, you know, one-time purchases, but you you mm. market to a wide base of clients. And then there's what Lucy was talking about where you have individual clients that sign up with you for a recurring payment to mm. your business. So the membership, right? So let's say I'm a, I don't know, I'm a chef or I love cooking and I yeah. come up with customized recipes and I create meal exactly. boxes and I ship them yeah. every month. Then you would join my membership and pay the monthly fee or quarterly fee mm-hmm. or annual fee. And then I've seen people who do service businesses as a membership yeah. or as a subscription-based business where let's say I'm a, I don't know, career coach. Mm. or a personal finance coach or a business coach. And then I have a one-year program to help you achieve X goal that you have. And every month you yeah. make your payments <laughs> or, yeah. So there's there's many different businesses that can fit into that membership subscription model successfully, right? If you're trying to generate that just recurring revenue. But I guess yeah. when you have a subscription and membership model, you also want to start thinking about what is called lifetime value of yes your client, right? So that's, I guess a perfect example would be Netflix. So Netflix is a, is a subscription business. Most yeah. of us have Netflix, right? Yeah. And the lifetime value is that Netflix probably measuring is how long on average do our customers stay with us and yeah. how do we get them to stay longer? So let's say exactly. there's a new show that comes out and it's super hot, super exciting. And we all sign mm-hmm. up and we know that we're going to be done with the show in two months. <laughs> yeah. Then the lifetime value of us being there is two months. So they know they're going to get two payments for, for, from us. But yes. Netflix is like, how do we create more shows to get them to stay for three months, four months, five months, six months? That's what you want to think about. So you look at your metrics and say, how on average, I have 10 customers, 20 customers. Mm-hmm. How long have on average each of them been with me? So maybe the average is three months. Okay. I know on mm-hmm. average, somebody joins my membership, my subscription, they're going to be here for three months, but then how do I get them to stay for four months? <laughs> exactly. And then to that point as well, if you know, for example, that people are staying for three months. So in addition to looking at how can I retain those people, it's then time to look at, okay, then because I know that the average lifetime of my customer is three months, what can I do at month one or month two to recruit new customers so that I'm continually mm-hmm. getting those customers into my pipeline so that when one customer goes already have additional customers lined up. One of the the third example you gave was, let's say you have a funnel where mm-hmm. you introduce your marketing and you introduce people to a webinar. And at the end of yeah. the webinar, it introduces them to your product. You could yes. also introduce them to your subscription service, your membership products, yes. right? 100%. So, so you're constantly marketing to get people in the door as other customers are going out the door. Yes, that's exactly it. And it's about always thinking to yourself, whenever it is that I'm talking to people about funnels or about marketing, I always ask them the question, like, what is the end result? Like, what is it that you ultimately want people to do? So for example, in my case, one of the biggest outcomes that I want people to do is that I want them to sign up for my four-month one-to-one coaching program. But if they don't sign up for that four-month one-to-one coaching program, I then have to think, well, what other ways can I still bring people into my world? So that's when I have digital products and things like that. So if somebody says no to my one-to-one coaching program, I can Mm -hmm. say, okay, cool, that's not right for you. But I also have these other digital products that can help you to achieve these results. So it's about building an ecosystem where Mm. you are providing different things that people need. And and that goes to your example with Netflix. Netflix doesn't just have one type of show. It doesn't have one type Mm. of film. It's got something for everybody. It's got documentaries, it's got films, it's got comedies. And as a business owner, one of the things that you have to think about is what does my customer need and what can I provide to them? Because you don't need to do everything, but Mm. what can I provide? What can fill that gap? 
Yes. And going back to what you said, like, for example, I may be a potential customer for you and I don't want to do your one-on-one coaching for four months, but you may have an ebook that I can purchase. You may have a workbook I can purchase. You may have a one-time coaching offering I can purchase. You're still able to generate that one-time revenue from me, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, introduce me to your ecosystem so that in the event that I say, oh, you know what? I need business coaching now. I'm immediately Mm -hmm. going to turn to you. And then going back to the example of Netflix, there are times when you've watched, you've binge watched the show and there's nothing mm-hmm. else you want to watch on Netflix. I just noticed, I don't know if it's something you guys have in the UK, but here in the US, mm-hmm. Netflix now has a gaming offering. <laughs> so you're done watching yeah. shows, great. Now yeah. you can play some games. <laughs> so that's a different angle to the ecosystem, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, that's different because then that's thinking about, well, actually, does this audience, is that something that they are interested in? And, I, mm-hmm. and I'm, obviously, I'm assuming Netflix is humongous. They've done their market research and they probably identified that a large portion of their audience are gamers as well. So, yeah. And for those of you listening, again, the focus of this conversation with Lucille is generating recurring income, right? A lot of times as business owners who are starting a business, especially in the early stages, you're waiting for the sale to happen to you, right? Mm -hmm. Is someone going to buy my product? Is someone going to buy my service? And this is now the second step for, okay, you know that there is a group of people who are interested in the product and service that you have been able to sell, but how Mm -hmm. do you now figure out how to create that recurring income, right? Mm -hmm. So that you can kind of forecast what you're going to expect each month at a basis. So that's where the membership model comes in, subscription service comes in, Mm -hmm. building an ecosystem of different offerings to entice and attract your customers. And, you know, a lot of people will say, well, my business does not work for membership or subscription. Yeah. You know, there are so many examples I can think of. So we talked about coaching. Mm -hmm. If you have a product business, let's say you make skincare products, hair care products, candles, you could have the subscription box, which you mentioned. You could have uh, one thing that Amazon does really well is the automatic, what is it called? When you buy something. The subscription. So yeah, so it automatically And then after three months, you. it resends yeah. you the, the product again. When it finishes, you could have that. That's a way to generate recurring mm. revenue. So there are so many business models that could fit into it. For example, one of my friends just paid her hairdresser an annual fee to do her children's hair every two weeks so that's a subscription that's so in a cool. way, yeah. right? yeah. she's like you know what just pay me this one fee and every two weeks they'll get their hair washed and braided mm. no problem so you want to get creative with your business how can I yes. you know don't tell yourself oh this doesn't work for me instead think yeah. okay, is there an aspect of my business that I can layer on a way to generate recurring income And that leads me to my next question, right, for you, Lucille, is is as a business owner, how do I determine what is the best recurring income model for myself? Yeah, absolutely. And and one of the things that I was just going to say is is that a lot of it is trial and error because one of the traps that I think a lot of new business owners fall into is that they almost forget their own voice in this and they tend to copy or follow what everybody else is doing. But when you're deciding on what's the best revenue for you, then you need to decide to yourself, well, what works for me? What works best for you? Because as you just pointed out, a membership model may not be ideal for everybody and it's not intended to be. So when you're trying to decide, well, which one is going to be, which is going to work for me, you need to examine your own business and look at your business, look at the products and the services that you are offering and ask yourself, what is it that I can do to put this almost on, it's like autopilot so that I can generate income on a recurring basis without me having to do lots of work. 
So thinking about what are the products and services that I'm offering? What are the different ways that I can deliver these products and services? Maybe there are some ways that have been done already or ways that haven't been done. So we've given examples of subscription boxes, of Netflix and things like that. But what are some other ways that you can kind of deliver that if you've got a product or a service? The other thing to think about as well is the time that you have as well. Because when it comes to recurring income, you have to make sure that you've kind of set up your systems and your processes to make sure that your business is able to kind of manage regenerating that recurring income. So what are the things that you need? So for example, if you are a service-based business and the thing that you are doing is it's a membership, for example, and it's a recurring Mm -hmm. membership, then for that recurring membership that you have to think to yourself, how much time do I have to market this membership? How much time do I have to create content for this membership? So mm-hmm. all of those things that people don't necessarily think about, but they think, oh, I love the idea of having a membership, but they don't necessarily understand what that means. So it's also about understanding So identifying, first of all, what's going to work best for me as a business owner? What do I have time to deliver? And do I also understand how this model works for me? Yeah, that's really important. Like, Again, like you said, trial and error. In my own business, I have tested out many, many things to see what works for me. And what I find is that it's always important to diversify the way you earn Mm -hmm. income in your business, right? So you are testing out a recurring income stream, a subscription model, a membership model, an automatic renewal of a product Mm -hmm. model. But at the same time, you still want to make your products and services available for one-time purchase until you determine, okay, this is what's best for me, or I'm going to have these different variations of ways to generate Mm -hmm. income, right? Because a mistake I see a lot of people make is that, okay, they say, I want to have a subscription business. I want people to pay me every month for this product or for this service, but they don't make the product or service available as a one-time purchase. And then they end up making zero money, right? Yes. Even though it's not ideally what you want to sell your products and services one time, for example, the money is still money, right? Yeah. So until you figure out how to consistently create that recurring income, then you want to have different options. The same way you're learning about what model is going to work for you, you're also giving yourself an opportunity to learn what your customers actually like and want from your products and services too. So my next question for you is, in this position where, okay, I'm working a subscription business. I have my one-time sale products and services on my website. I've laid out, you know, the structure of how I'm going to make sales, one-time sales, recurring sales. How do I now start to find clients, increase my client base, increase my sales? I know that my system works, so my test is kind of working. And now all I need are more people or more sales. What are some strategies or tactics that I can use for marketing now? my business. A hundred percent. And that's, isn't that the question of all new business owners? How do I get clients now? And this is the question that I love. And this is the thing. I don't believe in a one size approach fits all to running a business. There is more than one way to promote your business. There's more than one way to run your business. But some of the strategies that I find that have worked for me and for my clients in terms of being able to attract more clients. And it all falls under the same umbrella of visibility because people can't buy from you if they don't know that you exist. And every time I work with a new client and they say to me, oh, I'm not getting any sales, you know, I'm not making any money. I say to them, okay, then so what are you doing? Like, how visible are you being in your business? And they're like, oh, well, I posted once on social media and nobody commented, so I stopped posting. So for me, the number one thing that you can do to be able to get more clients is to get out there and be visible. 
And I know that sounds really simplistic, but it's so true. And so an example that I would give of an offline or an online strategy that you can use to become more visible. Let's say that you own a candle making business. You could go to a trade show. So you could look for trade shows in your area where they give you the ability to exhibit at that trade show so that you can have a table where you can sell your candles. That's a great way for you to get visible. I cannot tell you how many trade shows that I have been to where I have discovered new businesses that I did not know even existed. So the fact that they are at this trade show that's at this really popular trade show, which is maybe for, I don't know, home decor, then I have, I've discovered somebody new that I didn't know about before. So being visible and going to places where you know that your ideal client hangs out, that's a great way for you to be able to kind of generate more clients because the first step to being able to generate more clients is that they need to be aware that you exist. Then what I would say then is if you're looking for some online strategies, there is content marketing. Content marketing is still a really strong and great strategy to attract clients. And what I mean by content marketing is posting content on social media. Now, again, the mistake that I see a lot of business owners make, and I made this mistake myself, I saw everybody else posting on Instagram. I saw them posting on Instagram. I saw them posting something and then they'd ask somebody somebody to buy something. And that seemed to work and they seemed to make sales. What you have to do is if you're posting content on social media, is that you have to align that content with what it is that you are offering. So there has to be a connection. So for me, I'm all about client attraction. So the content that I'm going to be posting and sharing on Instagram is going to be about client attraction. So everything that I am sharing is leading people to the products and the services that I offer. So there is a connection. So I'm being visible, but I'm also sharing useful information that's relevant to the solution that I provide to my ideal client as well. I couldn't agree more. You know, when it comes to marketing a business, growing a business, a lot of people have a fear of it or they feel like build a business and people will just automatically come. But there's there's so much noise on social media every day. People Mm -hmm. are starting a new business. Millions of businesses are launched every single year. (laughs) So how do you stand out, right? And of course, you have to consider the fact that there's competition. There is no unique business on the face Mm -hmm. of this earth. What makes you unique is your own voice and your own angle. And what makes you you, right, is what attracts your customers. So you have to be constantly selling, constantly marketing your business, constantly sharing about your business, especially in this day of of social media. And you Mm. pick the area that works for you, right? I think a lot of people get overwhelmed because they feel like, wow, everybody's creating YouTube videos. I have to be creating YouTube videos, but I hate creating video. Then if you don't like to create video, doesn't mean that you don't do anything. Maybe instead you just create social posts, right? That there's still an audience who appreciates looking at photographs and image and and on Instagram instead of watching reels, right? So doing something to market your business is better than sitting back and saying, well, I don't feel comfortable doing that. I'm not going to do that. Do what works for you, but do something, right? So like you mentioned, content marketing, so Clever Girl Finance, we are huge on creating content and we're huge Mm. on repurposing content and we're huge on recycling content, right? So we make an article, it becomes a video, it becomes maybe a podcast episode. We use it for Instagram posts. We use it to create reels and TikToks. And then we create that stuff. And then a month later, we recycle all that same content that we created last month because it's not a waste, right? And, you know, I got some really great advice from someone years ago. And it was like every pair of eyeballs that lands on your business is 
one extra step you've taken towards brand awareness. And that's basically like, don't not do things because a million people are not are not viewing your, your content. Mm. Every person, every one person, you get one comment, that's a potential customer, right? And that's valuable. So I definitely agree with everything that you said. And to your point, everything that you're creating, when you're creating content, it lives on unless you delete the content, which yeah. there isn't any reason you should delete it unless it's no longer relevant or you don't do it anymore. People could mm-hmm. find that content at any point. Mm-hmm. And I've had that happen so many times where somebody has said, oh, you know, this post that you put out six months ago. And it's still relevant because people are still resonating with that. So you don't have to keep creating new content. You can just recycle content mm-hmm. that you've already done. I'm always repurposing my content and I will post the exact same post I posted nine months ago because who's going to remember? No, people are so inundated with information that they don't remember what they saw yesterday. (laughs) Do you remember everything you saw on Instagram yesterday? And then the other thing that I had read was a study or something that it takes for someone who has never heard of your business before, it takes seven to 10 touch points for it to actually get embedded in them that this is someone who can offer a service or a product that I need. So you need seven touches, 10 touches for someone Mm -hmm. to see you, right? So that means you don't just create one video or one marketing flyer or one whatever marketing thing and like, I'm done. Mm. You constantly want to be reaching out to potential customers. You just always want to be marketing. You always want to be selling your business. And don't be, Mm. I think sometimes people get caught up in that shyness or they've done, they've worked so hard. And it's like, I've worked so hard building my business. People should automatically know how to find me. Unfortunately, that's not the case. So people always ask me, well, I don't know what content to create, right? I've already said what my product is. I've already said what my price is. Mm. I'm like, well, you can tell them why you can create content on why you're the expert the benefits of your product, the behind the scenes of creating your product or service. You can share insights as to who you are as a CEO of this business, your mission, your vision, why you started your business. There's so much content you can create. You can add a personal touch to it. This is what the office looks like when I'm working, creating these products for my amazing clients. What are your Mm -hmm. thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's such a great idea. And one of the things that I say to my clients as well is to is to think about what are the questions that your ideal client has. So when you think about the project or service that you offer, what are some of the typical questions that your ideal client would have? So I had a client the other day and she specializes in Instagram ads. So I said, okay, so you specialize in Instagram ads. Like what are the most common questions that people have regarding Instagram ads? So they're going to be questions around how much money should I spend? At what point in my business should I start to run ads? This is all content that you can create and you can start sharing on social media because what you're doing is that you're almost priming people who are watching your content. You're almost kind of taking them through a process so that they are prepared to buy from you because you're answering all of the questions that they have. So think about your area of expertise and then just start sharing information about what are the things, what are the questions that people would ask about this specific area of expertise. And yes, sharing content about things that you're doing behind the scene. I just shared a story on my Instagram that says I'm getting ready to be interviewed on a podcast. That's content. Yep. That if is, I'm creating, yep. yeah. If I'm creating a new program, that's content. I can share like a, um, one of the things that I love doing now is, is creating those sped up videos where I just put the phone on and I record myself and then I do a voiceover explaining what I'm doing. So I'm creating a new mm-hmm. project and I explain what I'm doing. That's content. So everything yep. that you are doing in your business, that's content. 
Hey everyone, before we continue with this podcast episode, I'd love for you to check out the best-selling Clever Girl Finance book series. There are three books in the series, and the first book is Clever Girl Finance, Ditch Debt, Save Money, and Build Real Wealth. The second book is Grow Your Money, Learn How Investing Works. And the third book is called The Side Hustle Guide, Build a Successful Side Hustle and Increase Your Income. You can also check out my fourth book called Choosing to Prosper, Triumphing Over Adversity, Breaking Out of Comfort Zones, Achieving Your Life and Money Dreams. And this book highlights my personal story to building a business of impact and challenges you as the reader to dig deep into laying out what you truly want to accomplish for yourself. I wrote each of these books to empower women just like you to achieve your goals and get to the point where you're living the life you desire on your own terms. If you love these books, be sure to tell your best girlfriends and they also make the perfect gift. These books are available everywhere books are sold and you can purchase them as ebooks, audiobooks, and also physical books. And you can also ask your local library to order them as well. Thank you so much and let's get back to the episode. Yes, I totally agree. And the more eyes you get, you know, the higher the chances of people converting into being actual customers, yeah. right? So there's such a thing called conversion rate, which means mm-hmm. depending on your business, your product or service, if X amount of people are exposed to your product and service, of that X amount of people, a percentage of them will become a customer, right? Yeah. So for example, I know that conversion rates for like digital online course businesses is around two to 3%, which means mm-hmm. for every 100 people that come to your website or find you on social media, two or three of them could become potential paying customers, right? So knowing that if you do a Google search on your business, just type in conversion rates for X business, right? So there's lots of articles. Knowing what your conversion rate is, is a motivator to say, okay, today I need a hundred people to see my YouTube video, to see my reel, to see my Instagram, to see my, you know, when am I going to repost it? So a hundred more people can see it because your conversion rate is almost a way that you can use to forecast your business. I know that if- 100 people hit my landing page every month, two to three of them are going to buy my products, right? And you can look mm. at your historical data. Data is king here with recurring income. Oh, yeah. <laughs> look yeah. Back. King, queen, everything. <laughs> everything. It's, every, it's all, it's everything. <laughs> so you look at your data and say, okay, people who are visiting my website, people who have emailed me an inquiry, how many of them became paying customers, right? Over a one month period and use that as a gauge. Okay, well, if I had... 10 people look at my Instagram reel and then five people emailed me and one person became a customer, that's going to be a basis. So I'm going to pursue getting 20 people to view my Instagram reel. And I would say that take it a step further than don't just post on social media, but then share that you have posted on social media, right? Mm -hmm. Send an email newsletter and say, have you checked out our new videos, our new reels? Have you visited our site? Put it in your Mm -hmm. stories on Instagram. It says, have you seen our new feed posts? Share it on your TikTok cross share across all the platforms yes. that you have right yeah. not saying that you want to overwhelm yourself with platforms if you're only able to market on one or two platforms perfectly fine mm. but maintain your consistency and share and then share that you have shared <laughs> and tell exactly. your friends to share <laughs> because the name of the game is exactly as you said it's about reaching as many people as possible and reach especially on Instagram and places like that I was looking at one of the reels that I just posted yesterday and sometimes people get caught up so they'll look at the number of likes on their post Mm. but actually that's not as important as the reach how many people actually saw that post Mm -hmm. because they may not necessarily have liked because I don't know about you sometimes I'm scrolling through Instagram I might 
think I double tap something to like it and I actually have it. I, I rarely do. It's not, it doesn't yeah. come naturally to me to tap. I just scroll. Yes, <laughs> I exactly. Don't tap exactly. But then sometimes what will happen is that business owners will look at that and they go, oh, only three people saw this yeah. post. But then they fail to go into their insights to see, well, how many people do this post reach? Yes, yes. So Because the number definitely... is likely to be greater. Yeah. So you definitely want to look at your data, look at your Google analytics, look at your Instagram metrics, your TikTok metrics, Mm -hmm. your YouTube metrics. If you do not know where these things are, Google search tool is your friend here. They're Uh very easy to find, very easy to set up. If you haven't set up, like for example, Google analytics, if you have a website and somebody built the website for you, you can ask them to help you set up Google analytics. If it's like confusing to you, but you want to be able to see your data so that you can make Mm. decisions, right? And also as you start to promote your business, your products, your services, how amazing what you do is, you may find that certain types of content do much, much better than other types of content, right? That you create. And so that's an indicator that, okay, maybe I need to create more of this type of content because more people are responding to this, but the only way you can tell this is if you're able to look at your metrics and get a a gauge here, get a sense of, okay, Mm. what can I do better? What can I do more of? Your data will tell you. So if you're ever feeling stuck, like a lot of people will say, I've done everything I need to do for my business. I updated my website. I created my products and services. I created Instagram posts. If you ever get to the point where you feel like, I don't know what else to do, look at your data, look at your metrics, and they will help you come to a decision of what you can do next to help you continue to grow your business. Mm -hmm. So Lucille, the other question I had for you is, and you kind of mentioned this earlier, but for people who are focused on generating this recurring income stream, right? How do I, as a business owner, create that consistent value for my customers, right? Because people get bored. I may have a product I sell that they get Mm -hmm. every three months, but then it's the same candle. It's the same. Yeah. <laughs> the same. It's the same cake. It's the same. I don't know. The same. I don't know. Whatever it might be. Yeah. The same workbook. How do I keep them engaged? Because as you all know, these are tough times. People are looking at their recurring subscriptions, recurring payments. Mm. And if they don't see value, they're quick to cancel, right? It's the same way, like, for example, there is times where, and I'll go back to Netflix because it's such a great example. There are times mm. when I just, I do not want to watch another series, right? Yeah. And then Netflix keeps me in because there's a new group of movies. And then I decide, mm-hmm. I know what, I don't want to watch another movie. Then I go to documentary. I do not mm-hmm. want to watch another documentary. Then I go to an animated series. So, but the Netflix is a multi-million dollar company with uh-huh. hundreds and hundreds of employees, right? They have mm-hmm. people generating ideas and delivering new stuff every single day. But you, for many people listening to this who are new or getting their businesses off their feet, they're a solo entrepreneur. So mm. for someone who is doing all the things, wearing all the hats in the business, I'm the CEO, yeah. I'm the coffee maker, I'm the <laughs> I'm the mom, I'm the <laughs> laundry lady. And then I'm also the <laughs> the writer from my, my website. I'm the packager, the mailing person. Mm-hmm. How do I create that consistent value with all the things I have going on? Yeah, so this is such a great question. And one of the first things to do is to, it all starts and ends with your clients because at the end of the day, you can come up with all of the ideas that you want to. 
but you still have to, first of all, make sure that it's something that your client actually wants and needs. So one of the first things is to get feedback from your clients. So if you've already got clients, get feedback from the ones that you have. What is it that you like? What is it that you want to see more of? What is it that you want me to do differently? So that's the first thing. Go directly to the source because, again, one of the mistakes that I made and that I know that a lot of other business owners make is that they create things thinking it's what their clients want and need, but it's not. So go direct to the source. (laughs) Go direct to the source instead of wasting time creating something new and spending months like I did creating a digital product that nobody bought because I didn't research properly (laughs) ask the question first of all so that's my first been there oh yeah 100% I'm laughing because I've been there (laughs) yeah it's a learning curve isn't it you think that you know I spent months behind the scenes building up this digital product thinking it was the best thing since sliced bread and then I marketed it and they were like no we don't want that And I was like, damn it. (laughs) So yeah, it happens. (laughs) It happens. So that's the first thing is to kind of get some feedback and then to start to think about, okay, then what other additions could I add on to this as well? And I'll give you the example from my business. So I provide one-to-one coaching. So yes, it's great to have that one-to-one coaching. And obviously people are going to be bringing different issues. So it is going to be slightly different. But I still had to think, well, what additional support could I provide to my clients? So then I started to say, okay, then, well, you can get support in between sessions. So that if you've got a question, if you want me to review a document, so maybe you've created content for social media and you want me to provide feedback on that, I can give you feedback on it. That's part of the service that I offer. And then I started thinking, oh, I've got digital products as well. So what I can do is that every month I can give my clients access to a new digital product. So it's not costing me any more to do this. And it's then encompassed into the overall package that I'm giving people. So I'm giving them something different every time because every month they get in a new product. Every day, pretty much, they get an access to me to kind of get that guidance and that support. Another thing that I think is really helpful along those lines, if you don't have anything else that you can provide your clients, is to see if you can package together something from somebody else. So if you make candles and you sell candles, the question that I would be asking myself is, well, if my client is buying candles, what kind of other things would they need? So maybe they would want like an incense burner or something like that. So who is it that I could kind of connect with and maybe offer them because you're a client of mine, you can get 30% off if you buy from this person, if you buy this incense burner from this person. So that's about developing relationships with other businesses that are complementary to your own, that could provide products and services that you don't, but you know that your client could benefit from. And then the added advantage of doing it that way is that if you're saying to your clients, you know, if you were to buy this incense burner, it would cost you £10. But if you come through me, because you're a client of mine, you get it for £7. That's not costing you anything. And you're giving your client something extra. So it's always about asking the question, what are those additional things that I could provide to my clients? And if I don't provide it, who else can provide it? And how can I create a relationship with them? Mm, That's really, really good insight. And, you know, I was going to ask you about mistakes and you didn't mention one, which is not doing your research, not asking your, (laughs) your, your clients or your potential customers what they would want from you or, you know, even what is their experience with your current product or your service? How can you improve it? You know, what do they want to see you do better? I remember I had purchased, there was a body lotion company, organic body lotion company that had come out and I had purchased a product from them and it was a great product, but you just couldn't get it out of the bottle. (laughs) Ah, okay. And I reached out to them and they're like, oh my God, you know, a lot of people have been telling us about this. We're working on 
adjusting this as soon as possible. And they sent me like a freebie just to hold Mm. me over. And just that action of accepting the feedback, right? They didn't ask, but I gave feedback was what kept me as a customer to buy a product from them again. Because a lot Mm. of times when you send businesses your feedback, they don't respond. They don't care. Like whatever. So I think, so one mistake to avoid is not responding back when customers are giving you valuable feedback that can help you yes. improve your business, especially if you're hearing yeah. from more than one, one person. Were there any other mistakes that you can think of that business owners make, especially when it comes to maintaining their recurring income streams? Yeah. So it's trying to do all the things. And it's something that we've talked about already, like you touched on, trying to be on all of the platforms, trying to do all of the strategies at once. It's the quickest way to burn in yourself out because you can't do all of the things. And also you probably don't have the skill set to do all of the things. And I can accept that, you know, I can't do everything in my business and I don't want to do everything in my business. So it's trying to kind of spread yourself too thin and trying to do everything alongside doing things, but not actually making sure that it aligns with the wants and the needs of your ideal clients. And then the other mistake that I say that people make when it comes to creating recurring income streams in their business is not making sure that they've got the system set up to support that. So things like customer service, exactly as you said. So how can somebody contact you if they're not happy with the product that you provided to them or the service that you've delivered to them? What's your process for dealing with those complaints? Because otherwise, what's going to happen is, is that you get a complaint and then you get caught off guard because you don't know how to respond. And sometimes what some people will do, if they don't know how to respond, they will bury their heads in the sand. And then that then leads to creating a bad impression with that client. And then they tell everybody else. So in your experience, Bola, you provided feedback. The company took on board that feedback. And because of that, they adapted. So now you're telling that story to people. And what that's doing is it's encouraging other people to then go and shop with that company. So they're getting free marketing because they provided you with a really good service. So that's a mistake that I see a lot of business owners making is that they, they don't focus on providing their clients with a really good service. And that could just be as simple as when somebody buys from you, sending them a postcard to say thank you, sending them mm-hmm. a handwritten letter. So, you know, one of the things that I do with my clients is that I send them like a gift box. It doesn't have to be expensive, but what you're doing is that you're showing people that they are valued. And at the end of the day, they are people. That's very true. Yeah. I definitely agree with everything that you have said. Just even that small acknowledgement, right? Mm-hmm. Makes people feel like you value their business, even if you're not selling an expensive product or expensive service, yeah. like a thank you email, right? And you yes. can set this up yeah. in your email tool, right? To every time someone makes a purchase, automatically send them a thank mm-hmm. you with their receipt and not just thank you for your purchase, but like a nice note. You know, we appreciate yeah. you supporting our business, blah, blah, blah. And one thing I wanted to ask you was, what are some tools that have been useful to you in setting up your business and helping your clients set up businesses that have recurring income? Like, I don't know, tools like email tools, payment tools, et cetera. What do you find has worked best for you? Because I know that there's someone who's listening, who's thinking, oh, well, what tools can I start exploring to set up my own recurring business, income stream business? Yeah, for sure. In in terms of email service providers, I'm a big believer is when you first start out in business, you don't need the fanciest thing. You don't need all of the bells and whistles. You need mm-hmm. something to get you by and then you can get used to using that particular tool and then you can upgrade. So somewhere like ConvertKit, they mm-hmm. are a great, so it's an email service provider. It's a great way to start because I'm sure that they've got a free plan if you've got 
500 or less email subscribers or something like that. Maybe mm-hmm. it's 250 or less. It's free for you to sign up with ConvertKit. And the learning curve, you know, it's not a huge learning curve. You can get your head around how to send the emails, how to set up automations. So in the example that you gave, and then what we were talking about is making sure that customer service is there, is that what you want to happen is that when somebody signs up for something, there's an email that's automatically sent to them acknowledging what it is that they've signed up for and telling them how long it's going to be until they get it. I had a client who was, she was an author and she was, in order to promote her book, what she was doing is she was giving out a free sample of her book. So she was sharing like the first two chapters of her book. But because she didn't have her system set up properly, what would happen is that every time somebody signed up, she would have to manually email them and Uh. send them a copy of her chapters. And I helped her then to set everything up in her email service provider so that it was automated because that just takes off so much of the pressure. So something like ConvertKit is great. Somewhere like if you, so one of the checkout softwares that I use is something called Thrivecart. Now, Thrivecart is a checkout software. So whenever somebody is buying something, they have to pay with either Stripe, PayPal, Apple Pay, or something like that. And there has to be some way that they can kind of check out and make those payments. If you've got a website and it's an e-commerce website, you're likely to have that already. I didn't have an e-commerce website, so I found this checkout software from Thrivecart. And what you can do is that you can create checkout pages that you can send people to. I can do things like people can pay monthly payments. They can do subscription payments. They can do split pay. So if I have a product that's £100 within Thrivecart, I can say I'll do a split pay so you can make two monthly payments of £50. So I've created that. And with Thrivecart, it's a one-time fee. I think it's something like $600, but that's like a lifetime fee. Once you pay that, you don't need to pay anything else. Okay, okay. And I know Shopify is also a popular tool that people use. Yes. Even WordPress, you can use WooCommerce, yeah. WooCommerce for payments and then for email, ConvertKit, MailerLite, MailChimp. So there's definitely options. And once you figure out what tools you're going to use, the next step is how do I automate, like Lucille said, how do I automate certain systems? So like your welcome Mm -hmm. email, your thank you email, your, you know, how did you like our product after seven days, Mm -hmm. after 30 days? Those are all things that you can automate, you know, so that you're not constantly manually having to send those emails. And like with the email tools, if you're offering a digital product, you can upload your products, you can add your links to your private pages there. So as soon as the payment is confirmed, those emails go out. And a lot of these tools allow you to link between each other, right? So convert to your, yeah, will link to your Teachable or your WordPress Mm -hmm. or whatever it is that you're using to sell your service, for example. And if they don't natively connect, then there's something called Zapier. Zapier, so then, yeah. Yeah, so you can just use that then to connect things that don't natively connect so that there's yeah. still some way that you can do it. Yeah, so rewind, write these tools down and then start <laughs> to do your do your research. We talked about email platforms, ConvertKit, MailerLite, MailChimp as examples, not sponsored. <laughs> we talked about payments, ThriveCarts. WooCommerce, Shopify, even PayPal, you know, depending on the instance, simple PayPal. Just create, yeah, create a PayPal. Uh, What's the other payment people use? Even like Venmo and Mm. I forget what the other one is, the other payment tool. These are all really cash app. Cash app, simplified ways that I've paid vendors for services with those tools before recurring services, Mm. right? And even like things like my kids do certain music lessons, the payments go through tools like that. 
And those are recurring revenue businesses. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be complicated. If you're doing your research and like, oh my God, this is so complicated. Take a break, get your basic system set up so you can start getting paid today and then explore the others. And then in order to get the tools talking to each other, if they don't already speak to each other, Zapier, Z-A-P-I-E-R is a great tool. So explore all of these. And then my last question for you, Lucille, well, almost last question is just starting a business implementing all these things. It's a lot of work, right? You can't mm-hmm. sugarcoat it. it. It takes time. It takes work. And people who are doing this are likely already working full-time jobs, moms, household obligations, other types of obligations. How do you create a sense of balance so you don't burn out before you even begin something big? Yeah. So one of the things that I did and one of the things that I recommend my clients to do is to, first of all, work out how much time that they have to spend on their business. Because if you're working a nine to five, then you may not have as much time during the evenings to spend on your business. So therefore, it may be that you spend most of your time on the weekends working on your business. Mm -hmm. So if you know that you've got 10 hours to work on your business per week, then you can decide, okay, then, so I've got 10 hours. What am I going to do with those 10 hours? And what I always encourage people to do is to create a priorities list. And here's the thing. As a new business owner, everything seems like it's a priority, but it isn't. Yes. <laughs> and I'm going to give you an example. And this may be a little bit controversial, but this I stand by it. So one of the first things that I see a lot of business owners rushing to do is to create a website. So they spend so much time researching websites and then building this website and then they create this website and then nobody actually visits the website. So for me, when you're starting out in your business, if you know nothing, if you have nothing, the priority is not to build your website. The priority is to get clear on who is my audience. What products and services am I offering them? What's the transformation of my products and services? What makes it different? So that's what the priorities are. And the way that you determine your priority is to ask yourself, if I'm completing this task in my business, how is it going to help me? How is it going to take me further forward in my business? If I spend months creating this website now, how is it going to take me further forward in my business? If you've got a plan to get people to your website, then great, do that. But you need to consider the time that you have available to spend on your business and And then you also have to ask yourself, what are the priorities? And you figure out the priorities by asking the question, how is this going to help me take me further in my business? Because I wanted to do dumb stuff when I started my business. I wanted to create pens and notebooks and stuff like that to help me with my business. But it wasn't a priority because it wasn't going to help me to take my business forward. It wasn't going to help me to get in front of more people. So what are those priorities? I love that. Prioritizing what is most important right now in that moment. Mm that's my business perspective. You know, I would even say like, when you look at your bigger picture, well, for me, prioritizing your life (laughs) and your business, right? Yeah. So that's literally what I have to do now. Like I, my business calendar, my personal calendar, they're intertwined. Very, very much so. And I can relate. And I think I struggle, but one of the things that kind of helped me put it into perspective is that, especially for me as a mom with kids, is that my kids are not going to stay the same age that they are. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're growing really quickly and there are certain things I don't want to miss. So I I created my non-negotiables. So if it means I have to stay up later to work on my business, so I don't miss this thing with my kids or so I can be present for my mom, then I will do that. But Mm -hmm. then if it means that something has to get delivered late, or I also have to say no to something because I can't afford to burn out and not be able to be present as a mom or work on my business, Mm -hmm. (laughs) then I will say no. So I think, like you said, we want to prioritize for your life, your business, lay out your non-negotiables and then Mm. stick to your guns because this is a marathon, right? 
Oh yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, it, you know, it's not it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time, it and takes it, practice, sweat and tears. And even when it happens overnight, right? Let's say you get on the Oprah show or whatever show and they're like your business blows up. There's still 10 times more work after the blow up. <laughs> exactly. And if you don't have the systems and everything set up to help you when your business does blow up, then where are you going to be? Right. Yes. This is such a great conversation. I love, love talking business. You know, I'm a business owner, you're a business owner. So this is just like a organic conversation, but yeah. I love talking business because if you're able to successfully get your business off of your feet, it just generates so many options that can be life-changing monetary, schedule-wise, mental health-wise, you know, yes. you don't have to deal with <laughs> people at work you don't like and stuff like that. Exactly. But it's also about executing it the right way. So yeah. you don't jump from the frying pan into the fire. <laughs> yep. Is there a favorite business book that you have or that you can think of that you want to share? Yeah. So I've read so many business books and one of the, it's not a recent one, but it's one that I read a while ago and one that I will continually go back to like every few months. And it's called The Story Brand by Donald Miller. I think it's. I have read that book. I read that book multiple times. I own that book. It's such a fantastic book. Honestly, because what it does is that it helps you to be really clear about what is my message? How am I presenting myself? What am I saying to people? How am I describing what it is that I am doing? because it is about telling that story it is about identifying who the clients are and how am I going to connect with them and it's one of those ones where for me it just doesn't get old you can like you said read it over and over again and there's going to be something that you missed or something else that Mm -hmm. you can take from it the story brand by Donald Miller my favorite aspect of that book is he teaches you you know all those things but he also talks it, because it's called the story brand, the whole idea is creating a story that helps to yeah. drive your uniqueness and exactly. why people should come to you. Because especially when you're starting a business, you mm-hmm. as the individual, you're the one that's the differentiator here. It's not your mm-hmm. candle. It's not your web design. It's not your coding because 10 people can make the candle. A million people can make mm-hmm. the web design. A million people, you know, other people can do what you do. It's it's you, the uniqueness of you. And how do you harness that? And how do you bring it to the forefront alongside with your great skills and your great products and your great services. So I think that's an awesome book. Thanks for sharing that. And then I ask everybody who comes on the show, what is your Clever Girl superpower? (laughs) Ooh, so I think for me, if I had to distill it down, it's making the complicated easy. Because like Mm -hmm. I have a client that comes to me and they'll say, and they'll just like, blah, 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 blah. This is, this is my issue. And then I'll sit back and I go, okay, so this is what it is. And I'll summarize it in like one or two words. And I'm like, yeah, that's it. So it's about breaking it down and making what seems really complicated and overwhelming simple. And I love that. I'm all about simplicity. Honestly, uh, yeah, um, I speak with simple words. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't like over complex books. No. And I'm also a get to the point person as well. So that's, I think that's a lot where it comes from. As a lawyer, people will say stuff to me. I'll be like, okay, so what you mean is this? And they go, yes. Okay. Okay, cool. We can work with that. And that's a real superpower for you because you mm-hmm. are a lawyer and because lawyers mm-hmm. use the big lingo and the yeah, yeah. complicated and it was like, terms. It's, it's not necessary. Just if this is what you mean, just say this. Just say what you mean. Yeah. Don't say you're inundated. Just say I'm busy. Just say that. Exactly. I'm inundated. <laughs> <laughs> 
So Lucille, please tell everybody where they can find you, learn more about your coaching, your services, connect with you on social media, and we will also include everything that you share in the show notes. Yeah, of course. So my business is called Asset Business Consultancy. You can go to www.assetbusinessconsultancy.co.uk. You can see all my products and services there. I am also on Instagram and I am at Lucille Roach. And again, in the link in my bio, it takes you to my website as well. Awesome. Thank you so, so much, Lucille, for coming on to share your expertise, your experience with us. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I've had so much fun. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode, and I hope you enjoyed it. If you've loved the episode, but you don't yet subscribe to the podcast, you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes and head on over to iTunes and leave a review so other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. Thank you so much for being here and I'll talk to you on the next episode.